When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Hi. <laughs> Two highs for me. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, you, you sound so excited. I bet I can guess why. Why? Because we have a very special guest in the, <laughs> in the uh, online uh, digital Zoom class we're, we're having uh, as of late in the pandemic. Uh, Brennan, welcome back to Fright School. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much. How are, how are you doing? <laughs> we're uh, obviously super professional today, getting it, everything working perfectly and going smoothly, as always. <laughs> Look, honestly, it, it wouldn't be a professional podcast if something wasn't going wrong. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Oh man, how have you been? Look at your beard. Thank you. That's that's how I've been. I, and I'm not I, talking about a girlfriend. <laughs> no, God, no. Uh, been there, done that. We're over it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I'm doing as fine as possible. Right. Um, I'm actually I, I'm working two jobs from home. Which, if you have to work two jobs, is the way to do it. Um, wow. yeah. So I'm I'm very excited. I'm I have the privilege of being able to do that and that's really nice very cool have you been doing that for like most of the of the pandemic oh, time dear, what, I don't, no. <laughs> okay. um i i quit my hellscape retail job in june 2021 after working a year in the pandemic with yeah. no vaccines and i was just like well I, I i put in my piece i did i did my part i gave the world my two cents and i'm out of here <laughs> And through a holiday season in the pandemic times, you deserve yeah. like, can we give, what's the Purple Heart equivalent of that? Like, <laughs> um, you'd think it would be early access to the vaccine, but turns out it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, the whole like discussion of like how the vaccine was going to be distributed still boggles my mind. Like I remember going to my, I just see my dentist in January of 2021, um, before I quit my job and went back to school full time. And we had already gotten the vaccine because I was working like in healthcare in a clinic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had been seeing patients face to face and, you know, and I'm talking to my dentist and she's like, oh yeah, no, we're not even on the list. Like we have to wait. I'm like, dentists aren't, you're like in people's mouths and you're not like, you don't qualify as like essential enough to get the vaccine. So it was like a nightmare for them. And I even, I think it was like that my checkup, like three or four months later that they had finally got the vaccines. And I just, it didn't make any sense to me that dentists weren't on the list and like retail workers, like people like in the public eye, like it just boggles my mind. Yeah. I mean, look, I I could talk on and on and on for about it. And it's it's the thing of like, (laughs) 
Yes, I think, like, I thought, like, at the time, especially, I was like, well, yeah, of course, like, grocery workers and the people who've been open the entire time need to get it first. But everyone who was, you know, forced by the economy to work out in the public um, still just counted as, fuck you, whatever, you're the last yeah. ones to get anything. And that, that was that was some bullshit. Yeah, no, it's it's awful. So, well, I'm glad you got out of that. Me too. Uh, <laughs> And uh, how how's everything else going? Any other um, fun, exciting updates? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, th- this is more of a plug, I guess. But I can, I can, you know, plugs or, are it's great. Or, it's organic, yeah. Um, so I basically, I just got promoted at a website I write for called Alternate Ending. Um, oh, cool. I'm the coordinating editor there because we're bringing on some new staff members to write for us, which is really exciting. Um, but I'm also starting a retrospective series of episode by episode reviews of party down, um, later this month. Oh, how um, fun. Cause they're making a third season of it. So I'm yeah. prepping for that, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. I freaking love that show. I was so sad when it, um, was, with it was canceled, I guess, or just went off there. I know Jane Lynch left, you mm-hmm. know, to do Glee and then basically and- the, and Adam Scott ended. got Parks and Rec, so that oh, just, that's right. That yeah. Parks and Rec the show, you know. There we go. <laughs> no, I freaking just love that show. Like it, it was so relatable. Uh, you know, working like in any like I mean, I'd worked in restaurants, but still like some of the drama with the staff and you know the seriousness of it of of like um, what's his face his character. It was like just really into being like manager of the catering. Oh yeah, uh, Ken Marino. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, it was just I just always thought that show was so great. And then Jane Lynch. I, I don't know. She was just freaking hilarious. So, well, that'll be fun. Oh yeah, I'm, and that'll I'm really just be like podcast format. It. Uh, no, it's going to be written reviews. Oh, okay, very cool. I oh, should have awesome. specified. Um, yeah, because I do all the things. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, that uh, reboot or whatever it's going to be. Do we know? Is there any news on it? It's it's filming right now. Oh, okay, very cool. Well, there we go. And they got back pretty much everybody except for Lizzie Kaplan, who's, who's you know, she's, she stays booked. Yeah, although that's kind of sad. I would have liked to have seen her again. I really love her. Yeah. She's she's somebody that, uh, yeah. Uh, Joe, have you, did you watch Party Down, or you know what we're talking about? I know what you're talking about. I, you know from Lizzie Kaplan? You know from I, her? I mean, do I know Lizzie Kaplan from... See, here's the thing. I know Lizzie Kaplan because of Mean Girls, right? Mm-hmm. She's, she's Mean Girls. Uh, she, yeah. She's Mean Girls. Uh, <laughs> but... The thing is, is that, like, I do have, like, season one of Masters of Sex, like, in my, like, digital library, because I don't care if it goes away. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, uh, maybe I'll get to it. Um, Because I like Michael Sheen. um, But I was going to ask an earnest question and not a shady question. Like, what is she booked on? (laughs) I don't know, but she's kind of always doing something. But she's, I mean, like most people who mainly work in TV, if you're not actively staring at the thing that the actor is in, you have no idea what they're doing. She's like Parker Posey like that. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Parker, did you know Parker Posey's on Lost in Space on Netflix? Yeah. She's just doing what? Lost in Space. Yeah. 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 What, it was, she was, I watched like the first four or five episodes of that. She's like the bad guy in the first, kind of, in the first season, right? She's like yeah, an she's, evil she's scientist like, or something. She's at least like an amoral, she's like posing yeah. as the doctor on the ship. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh man, it's been so long. Oh, she's the that. she's the Gary Oldman character from the movie. Was that Gary Oldman who was the doctor in the movie? There was a, there was a with Matt, space movie. Yeah, Moss, Matt LeBlanc and um, 
one of the hurts, the one who the one who was in an abusive relationship with Marley Matlin, and um, I'm the learning woman who, so much right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's Malabunk, Heather Graham. It's the uh, uh, Lacey Chabert, um, the guy who. <laughs> Oh, I always yeah. want to say it's the woman who looks like Andy McDowell, but she's not Andy McDowell. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm looking this up right now. I've, I did not know this existed whatsoever. Yeah, I knew it there was, was like an old show. It's directed by the guy who directed Nightmare on Elm Street Five. Well, look at that. We're just making all sorts of connections. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I knew obviously about like the classic TV series, but I literally only watched the uh, Netflix series for Parker Posey because I was like, "What is she doing in this? I must check this out." You know, because like again, that's my that's like my brand. Uh, you know, <laughs> strong female <laughs> lead and quirky, bizarre character actress in something like got to check it out. Um, you know, see Stranger Things and Winona Ryder. Mm-hmm. Uh, a million other things that I've said on the show that are not now coming to mind when, uh, when needed, uh, Joe, anyways, back to the original question. Did you ever watch party down? Uh, no, I didn't watch party down. Um, or, well, no, I take that back. I think it was like on streaming for a hot second and I gave it a try. And at the time I couldn't appreciate it for what it was. Ah. Um, so I want to give it, I want to kind of go back and, and give it a second chance mainly because, um, there is that reboot remake that's coming out. Plus I do like, um, Oh my God. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember his name. Casablancas from, uh, Hanson. What's his name? Ryan Hanson. Ryan Hanson. Thank you. Ryan Hanson. Sorry. You, you didn't watch Veronica Mars, right? Right. Joshua. No, I, so. I didn't. Nor did I, I don't, I didn't know Casablancas, but yeah, Ryan Hanson is the, the, the cute blonde dude. <laughs> yeah. So like I knew he was in it and that's kind of how, cause I was watching heavy into Veronica Mars at the time, uh, doing a binge of that. And so I watched like one episode and I was like, ah, this is fine. Went back and, but now that he, he's actually, um, grown into being like a pretty fun, like character actor himself. And so it'd be interesting to see what they do with him in the new show. All right. Agreed. And and it looks like Lizzie Kaplan is in development on a Fatal Attraction television series. Huh. Cool. Well, all <laughs> I right. will probably well, watch that. <laughs> cannot wait to see Lizzie Kaplan's cha-cha. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what else was watched this week? Obviously, we had uh, the Dexter New, New Blood reboot end happened and the internet you know uh, did what the internet does uh which we all could have i could have written all the headlines uh for that but joe were you watching you weren't watching dexter were you no i don't have showtime anymore oh, uh, okay. i i let i let the <laughs> once i gave up on american gods i gave up on showtime so well that was stars <laughs> well see that's <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure I just like said that so nastily and maybe I'm totally wrong. Awesome. I thought American was like, gods was on stars. That, uh, that, that shade and retribution was swift and, and, and righteous. Um, same difference stars. Well, pick another, pick another Showtime. series you gave up for. Uh, um, <laughs> I was going to say what the cut with Clive Owen, but that's Cinemax. Um, was United States of terror on Showtime? Um, I think, I think the was. United States of Terror was on Showtime. I think so. Yeah, yes, yeah, because yeah, I love see, that show. Go. 
Um, so I wasn't great. watching, so I won't. I probably will watch, but I'm okay for spoilers. So if you want to talk about it, you can. Well, I mean, I was I wasn't going to try to like do any like spoilery type stuff. I was just curious if you'd watched it. Brennan, did you watch it? Were you ever a Dexter fan? I, I've seen none of Dexter. Um, okay. But my boyfriend it has and loves it and is watching the new season. So I have little bits and pieces of what he has told me about the new season. Yeah. Did he watch the finale yet? If he has, it was last night and he hasn't told me about it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So He's you didn't hear any screaming or yelling. Yeah, so maybe exactly. he was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, it's just everybody, you know, is, uh, as we all knew, would be upset about the ending um, as they were eight years or 10 years ago, whenever it, well, yeah, whenever it originally went off the air. Uh, I don't know. I felt it was fine. (laughs) I was just like, well, this is kind of the ending I wanted in the first season under different circumstances. But uh, I guess that's all I'll say since I, I, again, I don't want to necessarily spoil it for people who maybe don't have Showtime app like Joe and are waiting for it to be streaming somewhere. I think Netflix. Netflix has, no, not anymore. They changed. Now it's all all on Showtime's app. So should they want to binge it at some future time? Uh, I was trying to think what other like, Oh, yellow jackets. Are either of you watching that? I I am only watching and just like that because it's the only show that matters. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> that's amazing. I know nothing about Sex in the City, right? That's the Sex in the City. Yeah, yeah. Series. Okay, Joe, have you been watching that? I only watched no, no. I've only I only saw the first episode of and just like that because I I needed to watch the scene that everyone's talking about mm-hmm. uh, talked about for like you know the two weeks preceding it or, uh, you know, following it. And I'm just like, I don't necessarily care anymore. And I, I'm also the person who was like, who like mistakenly, foolishly, regrettably went to the theater to watch sex in the city Two, the movie. Ooh, um, and I went, Oh God. And I, and I went with my friend, my Palestinian friend and she was like, oh. and we were like sitting there and we we're like, Wow, this show is race. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I was like, we should take shots every time they say it's the new Middle East. Um, but, but yeah, so like that. So I'm not as familiar with it, but I mean, I can also understand. Like, it, it must be really easy to get a TV writing job, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's apparently easy to keep one, comma Michael King. <laughs> Yeah. True. There you go. Um, um, not to dismiss Yellow Jackets. Are you liking it? They're they're. Oh yeah. No, okay. I'm I'm loving it. I'm just throwing out things that I that I've been watching. Uh, usually it, it it's usually like this where we kind of discuss things that each of us are watching that have nothing like neither one has seen them. <laughs> um, and we didn't do like our we used to host like Bloody Sundays. We called it. We'd have True Blood and Dexter and you know cards and this whole kind of like thing back when they were you know first airing and new. Uh, and we just didn't do that with this time around. I mean, maybe we would have if COVID and <laughs> everything wasn't like it was. So, um, but you know, I recommend it if you like the original series of Dexter Joe. I know you've watched some of it because you've been watching it with um, little Jimmy Bolarino. Well, we stopped watching Dexter together. Um, oh, well, we. Well, we stopped watching after the first episode, and uh, we started watching. <laughs> I'm confused. I thought you said. You- 
No, we stopped watching right. it because he started he started um his drag race journey. So we're like Oh, uh, and that season, takes precedence. Yes, it does. And we're on yeah. season seven right now. And he's gonna he he is gonna hear this, so I'll probably get a text about it later. But um it, what I'm really loving is how like he is he's really enjoying the show to the point where he's like he he's like invested in like the looks and the judges critique and is starting to see the patterns and how, you know, Michelle Visage is a hypocrite. And it's just, (laughs) it's all, it's really, I love watching. I actually more love watching him watch it. Is this, am I some sort of like reality cuck? You know what I mean? Like, is this (laughs) some sort of like (laughs) reality cuck play? Reality (laughs) cuck. Oh my gosh. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> yes, please okay. write that down. Um, uh, did you watch the new episode? Uh, we no. had another. Okay. No, I'm, I'm saving it. I, I, I'm, okay. doing what, I'm doing what I know to be what I need to do with new seasons is just to kind of save it for the first three or like save it like four at a time and then just watch it four at a time because it's, it's going to go on forever. So, and it'll always be there. And... When wow. there's requisite outrage, <laughs> I I will I'll go and I'll um I'll watch it and it'll be fine. But <laughs> yeah, do you watch Drag Race and any of its uh, iterations, Brennan? No, I I, I don't. Um, it's all right. We're not going to take your gay card from you. Don't worry. Yeah, I. You know what? I, I feel very secure in the the kind yeah. of having sex with men field. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it, yeah, I don't know. I just. RuPaul thinks that he is Oprah, and I, I don't agree with him. Um, <laughs> and that's mainly from me trying to listen to RuPaul's podcast, because they had Lisa Kudrow on, and I was like, oh, no, I can't listen to them talk about anything ever. Um, and I was like, maybe I won't watch this show. Yeah, RuPaul's podcast is kind of... <laughs> it's a little, like, Super Soul Sunday... But like not, but like you know, but it's on a Saturday <laughs> or yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, it's like Super Soul Sunday at a monster truck rally. So like everyone's looking in a different direction. That was a terrible metaphor. Um, it's just I get no. I that's actually pretty good. <laughs> it's anyway, kind of like that. <laughs> I guess. Anyway, I just like I, I I have this like kind of distaste for RuPaul as a person and obviously RuPaul has all those controversies and the the fracking and whatnot and I'm just like you right. know what it's not worth spending like d- d- weeks worth of my time like straight through to just live with RuPaul which I don't really want to do and that you know what that's totally fair so totally fair and valid yeah, critique we've talked yeah. a lot about that on here yeah the critiques and like how balancing you know like this kind of joyful celebration of a part of queer culture with uh-huh. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. And sometimes like there's a lot of weird like body stuff on there. And mm-hmm. I don't know, there's just yeah, there's a lot of like hypocrisy and a lot of um, odd like backhanded shaming. And yeah, so it's kind of yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. And, and, it's a pick and, and choose thing. Yeah, and I'm certainly not saying like, oh, you are immoral if you watch Drag Race. There are, there are very few lines that I will draw on the sand like that. I mean, I'm kind of drawing the line on like JK Rowling shit, but like... Um, <laughs> There, there. People are complicated, you know. It's just like there we go. <laughs> that that that's just the hurdle that I would have to overcome to get to the show is just too much for me to really try. <laughs> but um, it's fair. 
if, if it's already not a part of your like yeah. universe, then yeah. you really don't need to. Like that's how I yeah. feel about. Um, I don't, I don't know. There's there, there's many complicated like cancely culturey things out there where I'm just like I don't like I already don't like go to this place. I don't need to go to this place mm-hmm. or uh, culturally. Um, I, I I was gonna say I I thought that w- the line in the sand would be when RuPaul called Todrick Hall the Anointed One <laughs> on on Ru- on the podcast on RuPaul's podcast. Um, that was kind of the line for me. <laughs> I was like, RuPaul just called Tatrick Hall the uh, um, an anointed one. And I'm like, okay, maybe, perhaps not. Um, all right. Well, then, uh, I am curious, Brendan, real quick. We did a uh, sort of a recap of last year for our first episode of this mm-hmm. year. And so I'm curious what were some of your favorite horror films that came out in 2021? Okay. Uh, my absolute favorite horror film that came out last year was The Night House um, oh, okay. with uh, Rebecca Hall. Um, that, I mean, it's one of the only horror movies I saw in theaters. Cause you know, theaters weren't like super a thing. Um, I guess I saw Candyman, but the night house for sure is it's the horror movie of the last five years or so that in the theater made me, you know, feel like spine tingly, like in a way that it, it, it kind of loses its mind a little bit, um, right before the end. Um, but I, I, I did like it all the way through. I really, really liked that movie. <laughs> Yeah, you um, just described plenty of horror films, right? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> this was really awesome, and then it went, I don't know where, but it was still good. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's one of those movies where it's so obvious that the movie it could have been is even better than the movie that it is. Mm. But the movie that it is is still really, really good. So it, it's disappointing that it wasn't, like, a 10 out of 10 movie that you see, like, in the bones that it could have been, but it's still, like, an 8 out of 10, and I, I it really, uh, I liked it a lot. Um, I don't know, I, I also enjoyed, with certain caveats, um, The Vigil, um, which was yeah. the, uh, the Orthodox Jewish horror movie. You guys yeah, covered that, that was, recently. Yeah, yeah, I, I listened yeah, to your yeah. episode. Yeah, that was one of my, uh, favorites of the year. I really liked that a lot. Yeah, I really liked that movie, too. That's another one that, like, had good atmosphere it's it's a lot of extremely generic tropes jumbled together but like by kind of lacquering on the the jewish paint it did something different i love seeing religious horror that isn't just people clutching crucifixes yeah absolutely um and let's see the the slumber party massacre remake um that that sci-fi did i i enjoyed i it wasn't quite as funny as it thought it was i felt but um I, i i love the the subversion of the 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 female gaze and whatnot that was pretty fun yeah yeah oh yeah that whole sequence with the the pillow fighting and all yeah that was delightful <laughs> yeah I, I am but I am but I am only human <laughs> uh, that's why those were both uh, that was also on my list I really really enjoyed that I did not see the night house yet it's on my list to watch I, I missed a bunch of stuff last year uh, Saint Maud that everybody was talking about. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that, but I would have liked to, I want to see it. I know it's streaming somewhere. So, um, yeah, very cool. Well, we appreciate it here. And I, I'm always just curious what people's kind of best of lists end up being at the end of the year. Cause it was a really strange year last year in horror. If anything, we, I oh, was yeah. talking with Scott from horror movie night, how we thought 2020 would be, but it was like, it was almost delayed. Like 2021 was 
the things were really off. Like my music, I I didn't have as many like albums at the end of the year that I liked. It was just mm-hmm. a weird year. And it was kind of tough to pull horror films that I was like, yeah, these were the best things I watched this year that were new. Yeah. Uh, you know, that weren't older. So yeah. Like, like of my top 10 films overall, only three of them were horror films. Um, it, it, yeah, it was, I thought there was a lot of good stuff out this year, but horror was especially kind of wonky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. All right. Well, uh, before we get into our discussion of Scream 4, um, I did want to just kind of have a little chat about the original trilogy and how we feel about that. Uh, Brennan, <laughs> what are your, where, what, where are you at with the Scream franchise? I mean, I feel pretty good about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're, I mean, I literally, I have a tattoo of Ghostface on my wrist. It's actually the poster for Scream 4 is the specific design that I have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Scream is very fundamental to, um, why I got into horror in the first place. Um, actually, I mean, okay. So in 2011, I was watching source code with my high school boyfriend. And before that movie, there was a trailer for scream four. And I was like, well, this looks interesting. So I got Netflix to mail me DVDs. Stay with me here. (laughs) Um, of, of the first three movies. And then I was like, well, now I need to watch all the movies that these movies are referencing. And uh, that whole process is responsible for the, the thing that I have become the monster that I have grown into. So you didn't see the original scream until 2011. No, I didn't. I mean, I I was amazing. I was two when it came out. So it it was not the right time for me. Right. No, my heart. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I, I, I used to think I was really scared of watching horror movies and then I just started watching them and I was like, Oh, I don't know why I thought this for so long. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was a mental block, especially cause I was devouring horror books. Like I, I read the shining in seventh grade. I had to leave it outside my door at night, but I was reading it. Yeah. Um, but movies I came to kind of late in the horror realm, but yeah, scream is very fundamental to me. I, I, I love the franchise deep within my heart, even though I recognize many and perhaps even more than a lot of people like the flaws of the franchise, but I just don't give a shit. Yeah. No, I mean, that's all part of the, uh, uh, the love of a, of a franchise. You know, if you, if you're a big fan of Freddie or Michael or Chucky or whatever, you know, you, you, you put on the blinders for, for some of the, <laughs> some of that. Yeah. It's so interesting to me because it's so fundamentally kind of like the craft, like, because you know, I was like 12 or 13 when those movies came out. So for me, it's very much the nineties. We'll get to talking, but there's like a quote in like scream four where, um, Alison Brie's character says to, uh, Courtney Cox to Gail Weathers, you know, you were like my nineties. I'm like, yeah, that's like, there's so much of that reference in this film that I'm like, that seems geared right at me. And people like in my age range who saw scream when we were teenagers uh, or just, or coming into that. Um, you know, so it's just, it's very interesting to think about seeing it for the first time, Again, you're younger, you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> there, there is that to contend with, of course. But uh, yeah, for me, it's just such a quintessential like 90s kind of vibe that when I watch it, it's like it takes me back to this like weird temporal space. <laughs> Why yeah. do you, what, what connected you to Scream so much that you get a tattoo of it? Like, what is that for you? 
Well, like I said, Scream is kind of the the lifeblood of why I like horror, which is so much of the thing that I do now and what I still, you know, love and watch all the time and and everything. Um, but I was just I was really at I was I was at the right age. I was at the age that I should have been in 1996 to go see it in the theaters, you know. Yeah. Um uh, uh, of like the proper demographic to be watching and appreciating Scream. Like I was a a burgeoning film nerd who still had a couple years to go before realizing that Randy wasn't cool. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. Yeah. You know, we, we all have phases, and the 17 to 19 range is prime Randy territory. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just, I I could feel, I know certain people disagree with me, and I don't quite get what they're going for on that, but I, I could just feel the, the, the love of cinema and the genre that kind of comes overflowing from, especially from Kevin Williamson, from his scripts in Scream, and especially again at that age i was really primed to be um honed in on movies that are referential to cinema history even though like i said i i wasn't personally privy to what they were referencing but i taught myself that and then i could rewatch scream and be like i know that i know that i know that and feel really smart and cool um so th- <laughs> that kind of thing appealed to me but now the the it it has grown as i have grown um i i, I also really like the kind of warmth that is given to the Scream franchise by the three leads like coming back over and over and over again. And I know that's another thing that people are sick of is like Courtney Cox and David Arquette and Nev Campbell consistently surviving. And I'm like, that to me is what Scream is about. It's kind of like a family reunion where you get to fight a ghost face. Yeah, a hundred percent. I expect to feel the same way when I see the new Scream, which by the time this is airing. <laughs> uh, I will have seen by then, but the mm. way that I felt when they did the first, like they did that Roseanne reboot and like, uh, Jackie walked on, you know, to the set for the first time again, after all these years, like I kind of feel I, I may have that similar. It's kind of a surreal experience where, you know, I always felt like the Roseanne, that was so much the life that I had growing up that those people feel like family members in a weird way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing with them, like seeing them, you know, as they've gotten older, I don't know. There's just a weird, surreal connection there that that I, I definitely, I agree with you. I like seeing them again. I have a feeling one of them is probably going to be off to the new yeah. one, um, <laughs> just because I feel like they probably feel they have to. Um, I don't know if any of them are more or less sick of it than the others, so it might be that Harrison Ford thing of like, just mm. get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, just, and also, you know. Courtney Cox and David Arquette aren't together anymore, you know? And and yeah. this franchise was such a fundamental part of their relationship. Like it kind of yeah. tracks their entire progress. Yeah. So yeah, one of them was probably like, please. Um, but you never know. <laughs> one of us went and out. No, absolutely. I mean, hey, I I'm I'm not rooting for it again to quote Sydney in uh Scream Two. It's like, you know, not by my <laughs> willed but by as i foresaw it um, <laughs> to, to quote sydney playing cassandra i was like did you just quote cassandra <laughs> yeah you know what i mean what i'm trying to do there anyways that totally bombed i should have actually written that down instead of like trying to do that on the fly the point is is i don't want any of them to die i just will not be surprised i'm emotionally prepared yeah um joe having seen all of them now 
uh, that are out to date. Uh, what do you think of the, at least the original franchise before, obviously we'll talk about four today, but what do you think about the first three films? I am here to make an announcement. Okay. <laughs> do, 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 do. The Scream franchise is my favorite franchise that I've seen for Fry School so far. Mm. Hell yeah. I, I'm done Very with cool. That. Hands down period. Like period. Period. Um, it, and, and for a couple reasons, one, it's, it's something from our first season. So like, you know, canonically within Fright School, I think that's important to also, uh, also take into consideration. But additionally, that's true. it's almost like the whole reason we did the original season was to give you a background to watch Scream. <laughs> yeah, we did it. We, we, yeah, exactly. Like, cause you were very clear about like, you cannot watch Scream until you've seen, here's your foundation for what they talk about and why it's so meta. And so, and, and, and to also see kind of how, um, a franchise is willing to like go there because once you get to once you get to Scream Three, it's like this franchise is now about making a movie about real events. Like it's no longer about the real events; it's about like the the weirdness of filmmaking about things that at one point existed in reality. And so, and and that was just really really fun and kind of like insidery and not a gross way. Um, it's also a style of filmmaking that like, we're not going to see again. Like it felt very two and one felt very like the lethal weapon movies. Um, <laughs> if, if that makes any sense in, in kind of like that kind of in the, in the cinematography like the style and, or, oh, okay. and the style and the the other thing too is that like I completely watch because I watched um, two, three, and four uh, consecutively over like two days. And what was interesting for me is that just when I thought I had figured it out, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And and that to me was really really connect I connected with because you know I mean you know it doesn't take much for us to see where they're telegraphing things or I'm like oh you drop this line but it's like pivotal for when we do the final reveal but it wasn't that case when in watching three which we talked about last week it wasn't that case in in watching two and and I was and I was and I was spoiled you know for to preview a little bit of our upcoming conversation I was spoiled as to the reveal Reveal in um, season uh, uh, Scream Four. I was spoiled for who the killers were, but I still didn't care because I was like, I just want to know how we got mm-hmm. there, and there was uh, enough, and so there was like sufficient time with that to kind of flesh all of that out too. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is, it, yeah, it was. It's by far, hands down, so far the best franchise. Um, and we haven't done a lot of franchises. We've only done, like, we really, the last time we did this was, like, last January when we did The Purge. Um, and I feel like, I feel like that may change, but I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm pretty solid in, in declaring my love. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would, I would probably agree. It's the best uh, franchise you've covered on Fright School. Um, <laughs> you actually, you, you touched on something that is another reason that I do love the Scream movies. Like, I do love a whodunit. Um, I love the 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 killer reveal at the end of Scream, where things get really wacky. Um, 
and the, those camp performances are, are mwah, chef's kiss. Thank you, Lori Metcalf. Um, speaking of Aunt Jackie. <laughs> Her um, eyes. You can just like get lost <laughs> in those eyes. And, mm-hmm. and, then th- and then just like, and not having like any exposition and just like the exposition comes in like, Mrs. Loomis? Like, <laughs> like we're uh-huh. just supposed to immediately buy that that was Mrs. Loomis and without any there being any telegraphing of that, no flashback, no like mm-hmm. und, un, um, no undescribable voice in the background of like Billy doing something, you know, none of that. And it's same thing for Scream 3. And well, it's just so, so good. Like you said, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. And I mean, well, Scream 3 especially, like, you know, because they were they were writing that movie out from under those those poor cast members. Um, but I, I rewatched that with, with Ben, with my boyfriend. And I realized that Sydney has never met Roman when he reveals himself to her. Um, as the killer, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, but we're talking about Scream 4, like, yeah. come on. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, she literally has to say, Roman Bridger, director. And I'm like, and she's like, oh, nice to meet you. Okay, the, you've been the one who's trying to kill me. Um, some of them are, you know, better structured than others, but, uh, you know, still, it's very fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm delighted by that, Joe. I'm glad that you enjoyed the, uh, enjoyed the original franchise. And, uh, yeah, so... I yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I love Scream. It reminds me of m- my teenage years a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, I did think it was super clever when it first came out. I, you know, and it's just it's got that I've got that soft spot in my head for <laughs> for Scream. So, all right, well, we will take a really quick break, and then we are going to come back and talk all about Scream Four. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. All right, welcome back. So this week we are chatting all about Scream 4. 2011, directed by Wes Craven, uh, R.I.P., and written by Kevin Williamson. And, you know, we've got, like we were talking about in the first half, all of our main stars back, David Arquette and F. Campbell, Courtney Cox, and then a Who's That of the early or the mid-2000s, Emma Robert, Roberts, bleh, Hayden Panettiere, Anthony Anderson, Allison Brie, Adam Brody, Rory Culkin, delightful. Uh, and, oh, and Mary McDonald. I love seeing her in this movie. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Joe, as usual, we'll start with your uh, your thought first. What would you think of Scream 4? Uh, I, well, I loved it. Um, I think that, I, I think that now I need to, like, after my big declaration before the break of, uh, you know, for, for the Scream franchise, I think that, um, Scream 4 ranks a little higher than some of the original trilogy. Um, I thought that it was... It was interesting some of the things that they were trying to say, especially about fame, because we're like we're starting to see the like the beginning of the streaming culture, the insta culture, and all of that stuff. And so, um, people 
blogging, vlogging, and all of that. I mean, like that headset was priceless. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like in a few years there'll be GoPro, and then <laughs> and if they just waited a little bit, it is um, wild how just eleven years ago it feels like a like a stone age for technology. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and it's and just like okay, this is so fascinating. So, and, and so those things were great. Also, like I love the fact that we got to see the reason why Emma Roberts gets cast in American Horror Story. <laughs> it, or at least how I feel. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is perfect. Um, also, again, spoiler alert: this show, <laughs> this movie is 11 years old. Um, you shouldn't be listening if you've not seen it, but we're just, cause I, I want to talk about that a lot, but yeah, great pitch. Perfect. Um, I'm bummed that we're not going to get to see another Craven scream, you know, yeah. but I'm so I'm, I'm like really looking forward to the new one. So yeah, that's what I, that's my thoughts on four. Yeah, and, and as far as Craven goes, I'm so happy that Scream 3 is not his last Scream film, and I'm happy that My Soul to Take was not his last film. Because <laughs> that movie is incoherent. <laughs> I need to do a, a, a show on incoherent horror, Joshua. Yeah, that could be a uh, whole month. Yeah, we, yeah, making sense of the senseless. Uh, yeah, we could probably do a year of that, actually. Uh, what was uh, West's last film? It was this. It was Scream 4. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah, he, wow. he died in 2015, So, but he had kind of retired. He was like, produce, he produced that girl in the photographs movie, but he wasn't, he wasn't trying to direct anything during that time. He was yeah. in the 70s. And then they were starting to work on the series right before his death, or was it yeah, out? He died the week before the finale of the first season of oh, okay. the Scream Show. Okay, I remember yeah, that we didn't because get I into was that. mad they didn't put a, they didn't add a little title card that said like for Wes or anything. I was like, "Fuck you guys!" Yeah. Well, the content, and I remember I like messaged you, Brennan. I was like, "Do I need to like commit myself to watching the Scream series?" is it in the same continuity? And you said no. And I'm like, okay, well, that that I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah, but, it's definitely okay, its yeah, own no, animal. No, that's totally fair, but I would I just remember being annoyed because like, I was, I was very disconsolate about his passing. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was not fun. <laughs> I, yeah, when you t- think about somebody who's like shaped so many of like your favorite films and like a genre, uh, yeah, he was a hard one to hard one to lose and he seemed really young uh relatively speaking <laughs> um all right well brennan let's you know, your thoughts on scream 4 obviously this had come out when did scream 3 come out 90 2000 oh 2000 okay so we've got over a decade later pre 911 right yeah <laughs> but post columbine right yes <laughs> yeah um, but I mean, well, I guess you were saying earlier that this is sort of was how you discovered the Scream series anyways, is that it was coming out. So you were excited to see a new film, I imagine. Yeah, I was. I mean, I, I, I was obviously aware that there was a movie called Scream and I'd seen the ghost face mask at Halloween or whatever. Typically yeah. the one that's like hollow that drips with blood <laughs> when you squeeze the yeah. little thing. <laughs> um, I don't remember if I knew that Ghostface and Scream belonged together. Um, like that they were the same thing. Yeah. Um, 
I don't remember where I was before that, but I remember seeing the trailer and hearing the Ghostface voice and being like, a lot of these disparate kind of cultural pieces are coming together for me, and I really want to see, you know, the thing that made this happen because it looked really interesting. Um, I sadly never got to see it in theaters because by the time I had caught up, it was long gone, so I had to watch it on a DVD I bought at Target. Um, $5 bin. (laughs) <laughs> no, it was it was new. It was probably only like he bought it immediately as soon as it came out. He yeah, was yeah. there <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, as far as Scream Four goes, um, I I agree with Joe with one caveat. Like I I think Scream Two is probably a better movie. Um, at least as far as like all of the categories that I would use like in approaching a movie. But I do think that Scream Four is the best sequel to Scream because those are two different criteria for me yeah um the thing that really really annoys me about scream 4 is that the cinematography is so ugly um it's got this it's 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 the spongebob everything is chrome in the future um there's this really Mm. slick disgusting sheeny light to everything um and the corner it this is a thing that happens in a lot of films of 2010 and 2011 that I've noticed. Um, I think this was right at the point that everyone was starting to use digital cameras, but none of the old film guys knew how to use digital cameras. Ah. Um, because source code looks sh- shitty like this, and so does Easy A. Um, and those are all movies that I really like. Um, but anyway, so like the corners of every frame, they're they're dark. It's like you know, there's that kind of like vignette filter you can put on mm-hmm. your uh, on your phone to make it look like an old photograph. It looks like that. It's like this kind of fisheye to the lighting. And whenever a, a car drives by the camera, it has this haloing effect on the light. It's just really distracting and ugly. And I hate that so much. <laughs> um, but I, I think that the the meta elements, the element, the way that the characters play into the story, I think that it's a really, really solid um scream movie and i think it's the uh the sequel that best figures out what to do with these returning characters and how to fold them into the narrative and how to kind of play with the meta angle in a way that is fun and expansive and consistent throughout because the meta angle on scream is usually relegated to uh the beginning concept and then a couple jokes later on and gets kind of dropped but here it's kind of it actually makes sense as a theme, which it very rarely does in the sequels. Yeah, no, that's actually a really great point. That was something that I was going to um, talk a little bit about and, you know, in, in just chatting about the film, because it does feel like a real gift to like horror fans in a way, because they're just conversations or things like, because it's taking place in this like post meta where we, you know, scream has happened, all of these sorts of conversations, there was lots of rush to like remake that kind of thing and start and doing those conversations. So you have like these teenagers that are very hyper aware of that. Mm-hmm. And so I love how it starts with this like stab inception, <laughs> you know, oh, kind of thing. Yeah. And the conversation where they're on the couch where it's like, well, remember it's like the, like in part five, they're like time travel. And then this one, they do that. And this one, they, and it's like, that's how I feel when I try to describe like the Nightmare on Elm Street series. It's like, okay, well there's like the gay one. There's the one where they're like the X-Men. There's uh-huh. the one with the baby. <laughs> it's like, you know, like it just felt very like, oh my gosh, I've had this conversation with people. And like, and that continues throughout the film. You're right. Like there are lots of moments where I'm like, gosh, this was like totally me. Well now, but even then, 
mm-hmm. of, uh, of just that kind of seeing that sort of meta thing kind of carry on. And, and I think there are a lot of great jokes uh, about it. Like I actually love when, um, when Gail's in the car and she's like, it's so meta and Dewey's like, what's that mean? She's like, I don't know. They just keep saying, yeah, it. that's really funny. I'm like, it's so brilliant. Yeah. And, and for the first time, the, like for the first time since the first movie, the idea of like, Oh, the killer is creating a remake actually ties into the motive of the killer and kind of makes sense as a kind of organizing principle for what's going on in the plot. Whereas like in scream two, they're like, they're making a sequel. But Laurie Metcalf is like, I just want to murder some people, you know, like it, it doesn't Laurie Metcalf is not making a sequel and neither is Timothy Oliphant. And it, it just like, it doesn't really, the, the like meta thing of like somebody watched a bunch of movies and is creating a movie in real life doesn't really make a lot of sense by the end of two and three. But in this one, it, it, it it's just it, it is kind of like a whole piece. It is it, it, it rounds the circle. Yeah, no, that's a really great point. I think we talked a little bit about that in Scream 2 in our discussion where it's like they do the whole thing with the names, which one, it seems extremely like coincidental that those things fall in line together. Uh, but then they don't do anything else with that. Yeah. And that isn't really tied in. It wasn't like, you know, I sent you messages with Maureen mm-hmm. and Steve and or whatever his name, you know, all their names, CC, Yeah, KC. literally as soon as it's brought up is when the movie forgets about that plot line entirely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's very, very true. But yeah, what about you, Joshua? Uh, well, I thought Joe was going to say something, so oh, I, wanted, I didn't want to... Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the other thing I, that I think about when I watch Scream 4 is that obviously this predates Halloween, the 2018 Halloween by seven years, but it's trying to start, I feel, that conversation about like generational trauma, about str- um, survivor versus victim uh, that has kind of you know, was part of that narrative of the first three films. And that's something that I really, really like about this film. And again, it also feels, I don't know, that feels like such a, like, a, it's its own kind of meta conversation happening about like horror films and, you know, who are the victim, who are the real victims of horror, who are like, you know, the survivors of blah, blah, blah. Um, that kind of comes up in the first three, but like Billy has like this, you know, he's just so, brokenhearted and he's a victim and that's why he's murdering all these people because his mother and this whole thing um you have that obviously with uh, you know the mother with billy loons's mother uh same thing her life her you know she's like in this kind of victimhood space a lot uh roman you know they're all in these kind of spaces and then you have in this film sydney is doing everything to get out of that headspace and to change that kind of Mm -hmm. story and then the niece, who turns out to be the murderer, spoiler alert, just wants to be that. Like, she just wants to be the victim and wants to, like, live her life in this sort of notoriety. So, I don't know. Thoughts on that? <laughs> just, Joe, I was curious if you would make that connection, particularly with, like, you know, watching Halloween and the conversations we've had about, like, trauma. and. No, not, not with Scream 4. <laughs> well, because I didn't think it was about... I think that it'll be interesting as we go and when we talk about the the new Scream, Scream 5, whatever they're calling it, um, because I think that, you know, since we're living now in a post-Halloween um, 
in, in a post Halloween uh, world, Halloween, Halloween kills all of that stuff. I think that there might be more of that discussion on what that means or not. I mean, it could just also be scream doing what scream does in with just a 2022 lens on it. But what I felt more about it was like, it was, and putting it in like the historical context of the time of like to 2010, 2011, um, is like talking about like that fame thing. And, and also because like, this is, this is what a few years after, um, a few years after Courtney Cox does dirt on FX, which is entirely about like celebrity culture and, and, and the tabloid culture of the time as well. So it kind of fits into that. Um, it fits into that space a little bit. So I didn't really get that idea of like generational trauma and, more than just like this is literally us trying to i think it's more of a commentary on them reboot on a reboot and what's the point of a reboot the reboot is is done in order to you know like in this case and in like the justification of the killers is like it's to um add legitimacy to themselves as opposed to um, and take that away from the original and to use the original as a way to boost themselves up. Yeah, get get some um, of the shine off that apple. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. I, I actually, um, I very much agree with Joe here. I think the, the rise yeah. of the kind of grief or trauma narrative is something that happened after this. I think that largely what we're seeing here in Sydney is probably a holdover of the kind of 90s brooding character. Or rather than like specifically an attempt to at least grapple with that idea in a, any sort of like thematically hefty way. Like I definitely yeah. think that they were going for what, what Joe is saying more more than the grief trauma thing, which is obviously present as it has to be anytime you have a Sydney Prescott in a movie. Um but but the idea of every character in a horror movie has to be dealing with something absolutely titanically shitty and then the movie needs to be about that like scream is more uplifting than that i would say <laughs> yeah i mean i guess yeah to some degree because when i think about like the the sydney that we meet in scream three you know she's sort of living out in the middle of nowhere she's doing her like crisis line she's helping other you know people survive trauma in this one you know she's written a book about it she's mm -hmm. coming back to her hometown to like face down stuff she's like see i survived we're all gonna she fires her publicist who clearly does not get her messaging or doesn't understand her and didn't read her book obviously <laughs> so it just felt to me like watching it it's kind of like the the beginnings again like as the original mm -hmm. scream did kind of you know starting to bring in sort of these meta conversations I just felt like, man, the, in rewatching it, I was like, gosh, I can really see the the beginnings of like Halloween, you know, 2018 and, 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 that, and those sorts of conversations mm -hmm. happening. I was just curious if other people saw that again, yeah. that's just, no, you know, no, you're, you're, you're that's right. My reading. Like, that, <laughs> well, and of course that, you know, any, anything like that is obviously valid automatically, but like, I, I, I do agree with you there. Like, cause you're, you're right. Like to dismiss the idea that Sydney's trauma is not present in the movie. Like that's just not true. Um, I just think that I think she maybe, just keeps running towards it in the film too. Like she's running across the street to like break into that house and save that girl. I don't know. There's just lots of moments like that. Not that she didn't do it before, but yeah. But, yeah, well, but what was interesting about that. Sorry, and sorry I interrupted Brennan. I, oh, first, sorry. Go ahead, Brennan. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just like, well, she's like, I guess what I think of when, when I think of like the modern kind of grief, grief trauma narrative is the Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween 2018, like which would have been scream three Nev Campbell, mainly because True. they, 
couldn't get her for more than like a week. Um, (laughs) But um, that has a much more of a nugget of being a depressing storyline to watch. And especially like Scream 4 era Nev Campbell is very much harnessing her trauma to turn into Linda Hamilton in T2. Um, Yeah. Like, I think that is more of her arc than of like, you know, breaking through her grief or whatever, or, or like that, that's more of the tone of her arc. Totally. Yeah. No, I can, I can absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Joe, what were you going to say? I, I was going to say that, that Sydney running across the street to confront the killer and to was, was what I felt they were going for with Jamie Lee Curtis in, um, 2018 Halloween. Yeah. In the sense that like she has, because she has like confronted her demons, she now feels the agency to like go forward head first instead of running away. And I thought that was, that was one of the moments that I actually really liked in scream Four was, was her doing that and just being like, well, no, like I, you're here because of me, but I'm not afraid of you because, you know, in just the previous film, I conquered my demons and was able to kill, uh, kill who I thought was the, like the definitive killer. Um, and, and, and so in seeing that, I'm just like, that was, that really connected with me. And like, uh, like you said, we're not going off of, uh, uh, Brennan mentioned this earlier. It's like, you know, we're not using that kind of like, um, the, the it's the sub trauma that like in all horror films, like Sydney's mom is the sub trauma. Like that's not the sub trauma here. It's like it's Sydney herself mm-hmm. is the is like and just her and her being. Well, that's a really good point. And actually, um, mm-hmm. that there uh, there's something that I learned today. I wrote about it um, during my job at ScreenRant.com. You can check that out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll so, link it in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we absolutely will. Um, but Kevin Williamson in an interview talked about the original opening scene of Scream 4, which never got filmed. Um, but it was going to be um, kind of a subversion because everybody knows that in the opening 15 minutes of Scream, you know, some famous person shows up so they can get killed. Um, and so basically that scene was going to be Ghostface and Sydney facing off like in the opening scene of the movie, but the person who dies in that scene was going to be Ghostface. It was going to be another, you know, it was basically going to be the end of some movie we don't get to see of Sydney killing Ghostface. And then Scream 4 picks up two years later, and it's largely what we're seeing in Scream 4, um, which would have like that. So essentially a lot of what Nev Campbell's arc is, is, is is kind of a reaction to what that scene would have been. Like it is that survivor of like this this is still happening to her and she's not out from under it, even though she is turning around the idea of her being a victim and, you know, doing that reversal of what the opening scene usually is. Yeah. Well, I would have really liked to have seen that. That would have been really a a, a cool way to kick that off. Um huh. I wonder how Scream 5 opens now. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. But yeah, um, that would have been interesting. But honestly, I prefer what they what they did ultimately yeah. because give, give Sydney a break. Let her have 10 years off, you know? I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for her. She didn't have to deal with that. No, that's a good point too because then we wouldn't have had that, like like I said, the stab inception moment, uh, which I do I do really enjoy because it's just, again, it's just ridiculous of of, you know. Well, to see like, <laughs> to see like, uh, Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin, right? 
That's yeah. who those are. Yeah. Right? yeah. Kristen Bell and Anna To see Kristen Bell and Anna Paquin there. And I'm like, oh my God. Like we, especially at that time, right? Like uh-huh. at that time when they're kind of at the prime of their power. Um, and then just to kind of, I was like, how far are we going to keep this going? Like, <laughs> let's, um, and, and what does that look like now? What is that? Who, who is the Drew Barrymore of now? That would be interesting to see get offed in, in the Ooh. beginning of Scream 5. I've right? been wondering this so hard. Um, cause obviously the, the Scream TV show used Bella Thorne, which was not it. Um, <laughs> or at least maybe for the MTV kids, but not for me. <laughs> I mean, who would you want it to be, Brennan? Like, honestly, who would you want it to be? I really need to think of. I I, uh, I would like to take. Uh, I'd like to to put this conversation on hold. I need to, three hours to think really hard about this. <laughs> With Joshua, it's going to be Parker Posey. <laughs> no, I don't want to see Parker get murdered. Um, she, although it'd be delightful, I guess, just to wait. see her in that role again. She just kind of survived Scream Three and just kind of wandered off, right? Like she yeah. never really shows up in the third act. Good for her. Yeah. Um, I, I'm thinking like it needs to be like an Olivia Rodrigo, you know, like <laughs> someone from anyone from High School Musical, the musical, the TV show or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, her and Joshua Bassett. <laughs> yes, exactly. And they die in each other's arms. Um, or it's uh, that guy kills him, her and the other girl, uh, Serena, whatever her name is. Um, sure. Or, you know, yeah, to be honest, no like, it's probably going to be Haley Steinfeld, right? Like, we... <laughs> hmm. Maybe. Or like, I don't know who half the people you just mentioned are. <laughs> I'm still fucking out of touch. Or, like, uh, Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello. Okay. Yes. I do know those names. Yeah, it could be, it could be them. Um, I, I would love also... Out, I would love, like, a Megan the Stallion. I mean, let's make okay. her... Let's give her her, like... I do love her. Um, let's give her her, like, film debut, um, getting her killed. <laughs> getting killed by Ghostface. <laughs> I mean, an uh, an honor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I always consider that. Like, yeah, I want to be in a horror film, and I just want to be murdered. Like, I don't really want to act. I'm not much for acting, but just let me be stabbed to death in one scene. I'm down for it. <laughs> yeah, but would, do you want like an intimate scene where it's just you, like a like a Jenny McCarthy in three, or like <laughs> do you want like? Okay. So you know that our family, we like when we were young, we played like horror movie as like our games instead of like cowboys and Indians or whatever the hell people. <laughs> no, I didn't so reenact that. Scream a lot, and I always wanted to be like the first person killed in the beginning in like the big house all by themselves with the phone. That's so delightful to me. So yeah, <laughs> some some people some families play restaurant, some families play house. Yeah, we never Your- played house. We played apartment. Because we didn't live in houses, <laughs> so we had apartments. We would turn a bedroom into apartments. Joe, why? Like, why are we going through my trauma now? Um, <laughs> if you want to hear more about Joshua's trauma, listen to our Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but back to the horror. Back to the horror. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think of like who is young and stars in things, and I'm like. They might do like a Millie Bobby Brown or something, like oh, one of those types go. of people. Yeah, the like whole some like Stranger a Stranger Things like, kids, like Millie Bobby Brown, Noah Sh- Noah Shap or whatever Snap Snap Finn, whatever Finn name Wolfhard. is Schnapp, I think Schnapp, Yes, um, maybe isn't like, he going to be in the Lost Boys remake they're doing or reboot or yeah, re whatever requel? What? It, look, if you're doing an '80s thing again, th- they're calling those kids like they are staying booked. Yeah. It's well, true. They are booked, busy, and blessed. <laughs> Good, for, Good them. for them. 
Riding bikes <laughs> forever. They're going to be stuck riding bikes until fully every last shred of puberty has left them. And then we're going to get like hypersexualized <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown, Finn Wolfhard, um, and we're going to have to contend with that. Yeah, it's, oh my god, when her debut single comes, it's going to be. <laughs> and the first one that gets to rehab, oh, that'll be a moment <laughs> that all of us can can celebrate together. Uh, <laughs> so, speaking of fucked up uh, teenagers, uh, what do we think of the Emma Roberts reveal as, well, I mean, it's also Rory Culkin. I watch uh, Alonda Parker's YouTube channel. She's like my new obsession. I want to watch all movies with her. And Joe, actually, I think you'd get along because she's always recognizing people from shows you talk about. <laughs> so I actually enjoy. She's always like, oh, that's What's-His-Name from Blah Blah. And I'm like, I know Joe would know that, but I have no idea who that is. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but I really enjoyed watching her respond to this. I'm going to – I'll put it in the show notes as well, the link to her um, Scream 4 watch, because it's just – she's just delightful. Uh, but, yeah, it was fun to watch her, like, watch all of that happen. Like, it's always your family. It's always people you know. <laughs> <laughs> so just curious what was that spoiled for you back in the day brennan or did you watch it without knowing no i mean this was this would have been like right at the beginning of twitter certainly no one oh, okay. i knew was on twitter when scream 4 was out um and i guess nobody in my circle on facebook or whatever gave a shit about horror movies so i was yeah. very very in the clear about this so it just, I, it happened and you were there. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't remember my first reaction to it, but I do love that scene. I love the uh, kind of fight club beating herself up sequence, throwing yeah. herself through a glass table. It's very exciting. Very visceral. Um, a very good performance too. Yeah, actually not bad. I mean, like we were saying earlier, we could be like, oh, you know, why, why is she famous? Can't possibly be uh, relatives, but she's actually, you know, I mean, she's a lot she's, of fun in this. Her dad is Eric Roberts. Like she is gonna get it made. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm just. I had to look up what she was doing before this. So she was in Hotel for Dogs, Valentine's Day. Um, she did okay. I, I was trying to figure out when Aquamarine and Nancy Drew were. And Aquamarine and Nancy Drew were in uh, um, 2006 and seven res- respectively. So like she's it, she's pretty much like you know doing fun puffy stuff you know like yeah, puffy I mean, stuff you know, and then I, bam I cannot, I cannot stand for this unfabulous erasure um, <laughs> it's like how do you your childhood is how you know emma roberts's early career uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um and I was I was trying to figure out which Culkin that was because I'm like it's not Kieran, so uh, so like the Rory of it all was great. Um, yeah, she was so good, and I was like, damn, like this. I'm like Madison, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is no longer Emma Roberts. This is Madison Montgomery fucking this shit up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, it, and it, and I kind of like this as a. I don't know if this was directly a callback to to two, but like shooting, f- fucking shooting Rory straight in the chest, like <laughs> was uh, straight in the chest. I was like, dang, that's. It felt like 
when um jerry o'connell gets that in mm. in uh, gets a shot like that in, into because it's right. just like so like you can see it like you can see the blood pack like exploding <laughs> <laughs> um because you know we have we have hd now um but yeah i thought it was pitch perfect casting i thought everything after that was great and also would like subsequently go to be referenced in other horror films and other in other things as well too um it's it's great to see that even in modern times like even in the quote unquote modern times that we're living in there are still ways to kind of do things that eventually become um conventions <laughs> in other things that we we do like with with that reveal with with the uh, with the uh, uh, showing you how she like you know makes it her own and you know cuts herself and all that stuff it was just it was just really great um yeah. are we going to talk about um <laughs> to shift a little bit are we going to talk about how like the one kid is like but i'm gay <laughs> uh, <laughs> joe we're like on the same wavelength because i was going to bring that up as like a final uh, uh question because obviously we had that whole conversation it's you know 10 or well gosh 12 years no 11 years ago. I can count, I swear. <laughs> um, you know, where it's like, oh, basically the only way you could survive is be gay. Uh, and then he has that. Do we actually think he was gay or was he just saying whatever to like, hey, don't kill me? <laughs> I think he was just saying whatever. And also that yeah. rule makes no sense. Yeah, I didn't understand that. But <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm not sure about yeah, because like, because it's it's that meta where the people who are watching, who queer fans of horror, are like, mm, <laughs> I don't know if you're paying attention, sir. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely a straight lens on on horror cinema. Um, but also, th- there are a couple moments where like the script slips a little bit on on the the horror trivia side specifically. Ah. Like, oh god, the the peeping tom is the first slasher line. It it's just wrong. Not- like, <laughs> Peeping Tom is the first movie to put you in the killer's POV, and it's like that doesn't that's not what makes a slasher movie a slasher movie. Because if that's what did that, Scream Four would not be a slasher movie, right? Um, so it's just it it's a, a some of that is not thought out particularly well, and I'm gonna blame Aaron Kruger who had some script rewrites in there because um, Kevin Williamson, we love you, moi. <laughs> Hey, amen. I I will I will uh, back you up on that. Um, I yeah, as true. someone who is a former trivia host, um, I do appreciate a like frantic trivia uh, game to the death. Um, uh, yeah, especially with like a just like a fantastic haircut sported by Hayden Panettiere. Um, <laughs> just, she's like, one of my favorite characters. She's this. I really so like her. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like when I watch it, like she's the one I, I kind of want to be like, there's part of me that wants to be Gail. Cause she just has like these just biting lines and I'm like, Oh, it'd be so much fun to deliver. But Hayden's kind of, she's right there. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is the first, this is the, the first scene since the opening scene of the first movie that horror trivia to the death is actually a thing in, in yeah. scream. And that's a, that's a thing that, it has too much reputation for because that opening scene is so iconic. Like I needed more of that and I'm glad it got to be that character. Kirby is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's just delightful. Uh, there's that uh, scene where they're in the uh, police station where she's like, you know, from your life. Yeah. <laughs> 
I had to write that down again. So I'm just like, yeah, that's fucking delightful. Like, mm-hmm. you know, all this horror, you know, like your life. <laughs> I'm like, she is so like, that's her character actually is super queer. I think in a way, like oh, she's yeah. got that like sarcastic voice. Like when she comes to the party and she's just like, wow, this is really great. Well, maybe, well not. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, in her blazer, in her fucking blazer oh. at the barn party. <laughs> and this movie, I mean, she's she's definitely the queerest character, maybe in Scream ever, definitely in this movie. Um, but also we got queer actor, Nico, Nico Tortorella is, uh, plays Trevor, the shitty boyfriend. Um, <laughs> yes, Joe has feelings. Show. Thank you. Hold on. I need to find the text because I was I texted Joshua as I was watching this. I was like, I, it was basically a veritable who's that right of the of the of the um, um, of this scene. I'm like, oh my god, what is it? I was like, Nico Tortorella's in this. Um, uh, you, I'm I, I'm gonna read the um, listen to our Scream Three episode to hear me talk about who I think is in Scream 3, but, like, I was like, Nico Tortorella, and also, too, like, a, like, very much, like, his 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 people were telling him to play straight Nico Tortorella. Uh-huh. Um, which, like, I'm like, okay, you, you are giving, like, you are giving, like, the creepy boyfriend vibes, but I know you're not the killer. Like, it would be really gaggy if he was, but I was like, <laughs> I know you're not the killer. Like, it, but you just, were hoping. <laughs> I was hoping, but like again, like that's the whole thing, right? It's like he, Nico Tortorella's in this uh, baby face, like oh yeah, <laughs> just looking, uh, looking so young, so fresh, and and like would end up becoming like you know this huge queer, <laughs> this huge queer um, representation later, and it's just so. Uh, it's interesting because it's like, yeah, a lot of the people who made who in the Scream franchise who made these movies all have like fairly successful careers. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, not except too... go ahead. Except the, except the main three. <laughs> well, I mean, other than <laughs> this is what all they, they have. yeah, this is all they have. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm kidding. I'm oh, I'm totally. I'm, okay, I'm I just, kidding. You, that was a good line read. I was like, I don't. Re- I don't know what's a joke. I don't know what's 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 meta. Um. Oh, one one last thing to say about the meta ness. Uh, this is like a very oh. tiny tiny moment, but I I do like there is a kind of meta vibe that I get to the scene where their friend is being killed across the street, and they have to watch like they're basically watching their their friend Olivia get murdered in her house through her window by Ghostface, And that very much feels like they're watching a movie of their friend being murdered. Um, and I, I liked that kind of more subtle visual touch. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy that too. There's something obviously very Hitchcock about it with rear window, but also like nightmare on Elm street, you know, of like Nancy Mm -hmm. anticipating and being at the window and, you know, waiting for Glenn. So yeah, I, I really like that whole sequence. I, it's very like, I was watching it with Jeffrey and um, we're both just like, he's like, say there's like, Oh wait, what's happening? <laughs> like hmm. he's not in that closet. <laughs> and that is, that it's is fun. a bloody ass death too. Yeah. It is brutal. Yeah. yeah. He like puts the knife like right through her hand. Ooh, like, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's super graphic. Uh, you know, which again, we love, we love that. Uh, any other stray, stray thoughts? Uh, I had posted about, 
Sydney's bangs, they're so lovely in this film, and they seem like a real big fuck you to Courtney Cox. <laughs> uh, in Scream 3, whose bangs were the villain. They, that was the real villain of Scream 3, mm-hmm. whoever, whoever did that to her. I know she posted recently, or she was interviewed and actually talked about it, because her hair is gorgeous in this. Courtney Cox looks great. She's like, listen, motherfuckers. <laughs> if one thing we're getting right in this movie, it's this hair. Uh, but yeah, she said, I, I'm still not exactly sure how she was explaining that, because it was like an interview with like Good Morning America, or something she was like oh it was some kind of thing that they had pulled back too far and they cut it i'm like okay so you get another thing like what's happening i don't know what's going on just replace it put a little merkin bang on (laughs) 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 they i mean they exist like hair pieces i don't know i'm still very very confused by yeah you mean like a wig joshua (laughs) like yeah you know a weave what do you call it's like a head merkin you know, like a, like a head merkin. Well, I guess I just meant the bang, like just the bang part that's called something. Like just the piece. Like you could have the rest of your hair, but just put a bang on there. Yeah, I get, don't know. Get, get one of those little like uh, comb <laughs> things that you just kind of yeah. stick into the front. They could have made it work. Uh, she didn't have to look like that. They she could have been bald, like Sinead O'Connor style. <laughs> yeah, just at that point. Yeah, fuck yeah. it. Like this, we're doing Ripley. We're doing uh, yeah. Charlie's yeah. Charlie's Theron in uh, Mad Max. We're going for it. Uh, <laughs> anyways, that's you know, I. I just had to mention that uh, just to keep the show queer. We had to say something about the hair. Um, any other stray thoughts, stray laughs, stray things that you just are like, oh man, I just love about this movie. <laughs> I wish I could have just sat there at the Stabathon movie marathon and watched more footage from the Stab movies rather than just the stuff we saw from the from Scream 2. Yeah. Because that would have thrilled me. I agree. That actual whole sequence, like, I don't know, even, like, growing up, like, in this kind of, like, new age of horror that, like, I grew up with and kind of after, like, Scream came... I still don't think I could have gotten that many people together for like a horror fest, you know? And I wish I could, I wish I knew these kids. Cause I would fucking love to do like a, let's binge five or six, mm-hmm. you know, of whatever, whatever Friday 13th, Halloween, Nightmare Island, all any of them, all of them. Well, you just gotta uh, move to a town where a bunch of horrible murders happened and everyone will be really into it. Hey, I live in San Diego. Heaven's gate is like up the street. We got what's her face. Um, um, Oh, fuck. Uh, What's her name? Uh, Betty Broderick. Betty Broderick. Like, we got murders. <laughs> Beth Broderick? From but you're right. It's not a small... Rich. It's not a small town. Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not, not Aunt Zelda. <laughs> not, not small enough. Not Beth Broderick. <laughs> Although now, I'm thinking instead of Meredith Baxter Burney playing her, Beth Broderick playing Betty Broderick would be amazing. I'm into it. Yeah, that would be that would be something. <laughs> She's in the opening of Scream Five. <laughs> yeah, it's it's her and it's um oh my god it's her Judith and it's- Light and Valerie Bertinelli. <laughs> That's the holy trinity of Lifetime, right there. Meredith Baxter, Bernie, Judith Light, and, Judith Light and Valerie maybe- Bertinelli. I think I cracked it. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan. She's going to be in the opening of Scream. That's, that's what she's been up to. And we're full circle. I love that. That is great. Uh, Brennan, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, one last plug for the things you're doing, please. Absolutely. Um, I You can find my writings on many things, including Party Down, coming up soon on alternateending.com. I also write movie slash TV news at screenrant.com. Uh you know, Screen Rant is Screen Rant. There's a bajillion things there all the time. But if you find my byline, give me those sweet, sweet clicks. 
Um, yeah. You can find everything um, else that I do on my Twitter at It's Raining Brins. It's Raining Brins. Hallelujah. Oh <laughs> All right. Well, uh, dear listeners, always thank you so much for uh, listening to this and keeping us uh, going. Joe. I adore you. I'm I, again. I'm super glad that you enjoyed Scream as much as myself and Brennan here, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing you jump in the theater when we see Scream Five. I believe. I believe now. Scream V. <laughs> yes. Uh, peop- the 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 nerdy the Randys of the world are pushing for it to be called you know replace the S with a five, but it's fucking Five Cream. I'm not gonna watch Five. <laughs> Or at least if that's I watch, a whole. If I watch Five Cream, I'm shutting the blinds. Yeah, um, you know, it's midnight. Different, different experience. Yeah. Jurgens yeah. tissue, like yeah, you know. it's very no. special, very special theater. You'll see that in mm-hmm. um, <laughs> with Joe, apparently. All right, thank you so much. Good night. School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network. 